Nation Station, Manx Radio. One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas, so you can fit your dental care into your working day. First of my good afternoon. It's just gone six minutes past two. I'm Christy Dehaven, and today we are back on the Conister Rock, where I am delighted to be joined this afternoon by a man who, by rights, probably really shouldn't be here at this time of year because this is one of his busiest times of year. But uh, Phil Edge is my guest this afternoon. He first became involved with the Southern 100 or the Friendly Racers. I love that moniker. In 1994, and he now boasts the title of Press Officer and Media Coordinator. The meeting, of course, starts in earnest in just a few days' time, but there have already been the, the usual races on the circuit earlier this year with a pre and post TT. So I think it's safe to say with that and the rest of the year, Phil's work is, is rarely done but he is most definitely the right man for the job saying that road racing has been and still is his passion something that's held him together for most of his life he says it's in your veins and once there it never leaves you phil edge it is absolutely lovely to have you with us this afternoon Uh, what is it about road racing then that just really gets in your veins like that well good afternoon christy and uh, thank you for the invite i don't know i've tried to analyze it over the years i've openly try to walk away from it at times and I've always come back. There's nothing like it. What was it that prompted you to want to try and walk away from it? I'm intrigued. I suppose the way some sometimes there's incidents and the way that the various ways the sport has gone at times. You just want to feel so you you, <coughs> you want a break. Um but I've always you know, I've never finally walked away. It's only been a temporary measure and uh, never really left and more involved than ever and enjoying it more. And you say the, the way it's gone over the years. I think one of the things about the Southern 100 in particular, though, it has, it's retained something of that sort of old school racing about it, though, hasn't it? Yes, uh, I think it's the way we approach everything. Um, we look after the riders, the spectators, the best of our ability, the fans, young and old. They appear to like the way the meeting is run, it's organised, the type of races we run, and they keep coming back for more. And we had some guests on the show yesterday, I, th- I think you're probably listening with Nigel Smith and Chris McGann's sidecar uh, races that were on the show, and they were just extolling the virtues of the, of the Southern 100 and saying how much they love it and how it's just such a, a lovely feeling. And in fact, we had a text message in, I think it was from Broken Davy, who said that the Southern 100 is like getting a warm hug from a friend. Isn't that lovely? It is, it's lovely. The, the, uh, the comments we receive are embarrassing at times, uh, but you know, so uh, we enjoy receiving them and encourage us to go, you know, go to the extra mile to uh, ensure that we, we continue in the same uh, mode. And as press officer, obviously you play a big part in keeping the image of the Southern 100 going in that respect. And we'll talk a lot more about that over the course of the next hour with Phil. And if you've got any questions or comments for Phil, maybe you've got some memories you'd like to share. He looks a bit worried by that. You can text 166-177 or you can email me studio at manxradio.com. But uh, we do like to find out about uh, the background of our guests here on the Conister Rock. And Phil has sent me some lovely memories uh, from childhood right through to today and uh, I'm going to come back to something you said in the, the very first bit of information you sent me Phil you say you had it on good authority you were found under a gooseberry bush in the grounds of the Hereford General Hospital so an auspicious start then <laughs> yes yes I believe it was dug up afterwards and uh, uh, no no more 
little edges, you know, from my side, from my parents' side of the family, so it might be good, but yes. And Hereford sounds like a really sort of idyllic childhood, the way you, you talk about it, because of course now you sort of, you, you're more surrounded by sort of deafening motorsports and things, aren't you? But back then it sounds like it was very peaceful, very quiet. Yes, we were born, uh, it was on the outskirts of the city and within quarter of a mile were fields and farms and the very famous River Wye. Uh, which is a famous salmon river, and going down there as a kid and watching people fishing and bringing bringing salmon in and trout and other glorious fish like that, it was you know very enjoyable. You know uh, the milk being delivered by horse and cart and wow. everything like that. It was nice. You know I haven't been back for about twenty years, but it had altered an awful lot then. I didn't recognise the city then, but so I doubt I'd recognise it at all now. I guess in some respects, the Isle of Man still retains a little bit of that sort of idyllic sort of countryside feel to it, though, doesn't it? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes, yes. Do you think that's one of the reasons why you, you've stayed here as long as you have? Oh, definitely. Yes, yes, yes. And looking looking back at your information as well, you say that uh, it was trips to, to stay with family in Cheshire mm. that first exposed you to racing properly. Tell us about that. Yes, um, the parents were um, from Cheshire, just outside Nantwich as such. And we used to come up and make, make holidays at those times were spent with other members of the family, staying with them. And of course, very close to uh, Nantwich and near Chester is Alton Park on the Premier Road Racing Circuits. And we used to go, we used to be taken there as a kiddie. And that's, I suppose, that's how I got really involved with the road racing side then. And we also used to go on holiday to some friends of my father's uh, up in Scarborough <coughs> and I remember being taken to Oliver's Mount in the early 50s and seeing Jeff Duke riding the Jalera there I think about 1955 and that was really uh, something to really behold and a lovely memory even to the, this day sort of um, 60 years on something like that and uh, I always enjoyed Oliver's Mount and and it's a shame it's the situation it's in at the moment, but um, no, that's all part and parcel of the road racing being brought up with it. And, and, and interestingly, a, a lovely sort of bring it right back round again moment for you because you had a, an unexpected family reunion at Oliver's Mount a couple of years back, didn't you? Yes, I have uh, two cousins across I hadn't seen for about 30 years and lost contact. And they, uh, cousin Betty had got in touch and through a friend of hers who she knew from the south of the island, I think it was Port Erin area, and I got a phone call one time during the Southern Hundred significantly and was I so and so and did I know so and so and yes, and we eventually got together, made contact by phone and then and we arranged things about four years ago would be this year. And all met, all met up again at the Gold Cup at uh, Oliver's Mount and had a great time. What a lovely thing to actually meet at the race course yes, as yeah. well. So it just shows mm. that, you know, your family background has always been sort of around yes, the racing. Yes, the whole family, yes, yeah. Yeah, which is fantastic. And we'll come back to the family and bikes a little bit later. But you, we mentioned um, Cheshire there. And I think, was that where you first got involved with marshalling as well? Yes, at Alton Park then, yes. So we first started, uh, I think... You started on crowd control as such, keeping people back from trying to jump over the fence, you know, which was very rare. And you got to a track marshal, and eventually 
uh, sector marshals and flag marshals and worked your way up over a period of time. You know, being sort of trained and assessed by other people when they thought you could move on. And we talk quite a lot about how important marshals are, especially with the road racing in particular. And uh, you have also been involved with marshalling over here with the TT. And one of the things that's changed since you've been involved is we've had the helicopters coming over, which have made such an enormous difference, obviously, to the safety of the course and to, to helping riders if there's ever any incidents. And you were actually involved in the very, very first um, marshalling incident with using the helicopters. Tell us about that. It's fascinating. That was the <coughs> lightweight TT in 1963. Um, I was marshalling at Milltown with a, another gentleman who was slightly older than myself at the time. And just the two of us there, the section, perhaps a good mile long to look after. And it was lightweight TT, as I just said, and Tony Godfrey came off. And uh, so I went for the bike. Uh, a colleague who was from Nottingham, I can't think of his name now, he went to look after Tony and keep him safe as such. I got the bike off the road, then had to use the phone in the bungalow opposite Milltown Cottage to ring the grandstand to get them to get the helicopter out. So it was the first year. And then they needed us to get a couple of sheets off the people who owned the bungalow to put them in the adjacent field so they knew where to land. Because, of course, there wouldn't have been sort of a big H on the ground no, then, would like there? No, nothing like that, and uh, some of that. Uh, and then they came, <clears throat> and luckily Tony did survive. Failing that, we'd have had to make a blanket stretcher and carry him up to schoolhouse corner, which was the nearest ambulance point. My and word. I don't think he had injuries, uh, head injuries, so I doubt he would have survived that sort of treatment, but uh, thankfully, and he did race again afterwards. Which just shows how important that service is, the helicopter service, oh, and and really does does uh, sort of it, it needs as much much support as it can because it's crucial for us, isn't it? Which is fantastic. Well, we'll talk much more about racing and about your background over the course of the next hour. But of course, one of the things we do on the Conister Rock is we share music. Phil, you've got some fabulous music choices here. Uh, your first one, Akabilk. Tell us about this. Why you want to hear it? Well, it's um, Akabilk, Stranger on the Shore. I have my mother and father's one of their favourite pieces of music, and it's just one way I always remember them by this. Akabilk, Stranger on the Shore. It's the first choice of music of my guest on the Conister Rock this afternoon, Phil Edge. And Phil, you say that was in, in memory of your mother and father who themselves, uh, they loved bikes, didn't they? Yes, very much so. Um, I suppose it was natural that I should continue there. I understand that they used to go travel up from uh, outside Nantwich where they, they lived uh, when they were courting up to on a Saturday night up to Bellevue to see watch the speedway in Manchester and that's so and obviously go to the races and the whole, all the family all the father's father side of the family all had bikes so it's 
natural progression. It was a given, really, wasn't yes, it? Yes. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> Phil is with us over the course of the next hour, so uh, do text one double six one double seven if you have any questions or comments or memories for him. And uh, you can also email studio at manxradio.com. We'll be talking with him much more after this. The Nation Station. Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. And it is 23 minutes past two and we're on a Connors de Rock special with Phil Edge, uh, Southern 100 Press Officer, of course, this afternoon, having a lovely chat. And uh, we, we mentioned, you mentioned earlier, Phil, Scarborough, you talked about that, going to Scarborough when you were young. And you call it England's only pure road race. And I'm assuming that watching that was one of the things that sort of cemented your love of roads over sort of tracks and circuits, was it? Yes, certainly. It's, uh, it's a unique uh caught a parkland circuit but part of the circuit is um one of the main roads in and out of scarborough uh, so it is a pure it is a real road race track and it's you know say it was early 50s when i went it first started in 1946 put on by the scarborough corporation at the time to welcome the troops home from the war as a as a thank you gesture for what they've been they'd done and it carried on, it had its ups and downs, and uh, and it's been only up until last year, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, certainly a good circuit, brought many a future world champion there, and world champions have gone back afterwards, and the race there, and it's been a good venue, and it's, again, not one for the faint-hearted. As, as the Southern 100 isn't one for the faint-hearted either, no, no, is it? Even the, the chaps yesterday, so. our psycho um, guest yesterday, was saying that it makes them very nervous mm-hmm. going out on the Southern 100. Yes, there's a different way with the Southern compared to the mountain course, whereas riders have time to relax on the mountain course, as silly as that sounds. Whereas <clears throat> round, we've got four and a quarter mile round Balan, and you don't have time to relax the corners and the chicanery and everything is coming up so fast you just can't can't, can't relax at all and i mean you've you've ridden bikes before but you've never actually raced have no, you no never had the chance to race no would you have wanted to i would have done i think yes yes uh had i been able to you know i think it would have been something but something i realized i couldn't do so i didn't try to pursue it so I moved on to the organization side and then the well, yeah, yeah, organisation side, and like I say, then the press side, but still on the organisation side. Because I think it's one thing that we, you know, we talk about quite a lot when it comes to to TT and Southern Hundred Time and and Manx Grand Prix as well is that there is something about the riders; they just have a, a slightly different brain, I think, to the rest of us, don't there's, they? There's something very special, yes, yes. And something you have that unique. that sort of unique perspective, in that you get to know that a lot of the riders sort of both on and off the course, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. It's. Uh, I think over the years, the number of riders I've got to know, um, some better than others, obviously, and it's nice when you still see them at circuits, they might you know you're watching, and they still remember you and say, hello, Phil, or how are you, and all the rest of it, years on, and you know, I've had some come up to me you know, fairly recently and saying, oh, how are you, and I thought, who are you at first, you know, they've had to say who they are, but you know, it's just nice that you are remembered, and you know, it's a pleasure to be part of it all. I can imagine. And a privilege. Yeah, oh, very well said. And <coughs> okay, would it be mean then to ask if you who have been your favourites over the years? Oh, <coughs> I suppose one of my early 
heroes was um, obviously Jeff Duke, who I had the privilege of meeting and, and becoming a friend. Um, so that's something special. Uh, John Surtees is a, another person I met as a youngster who remembered me right up until his uh, unfortunate death a few years ago. Um, Bob McIntyre, of course, and I had the lovely privilege of meeting his daughter at the post-TT meeting at the Balan this year, which was uh, very enjoyable on that side. Um, another one is Mike Harewood, of course, mm -hmm. who I got to know very well. Joey Dunlop, it goes on and on. but. Do you think now, speaking of those names, the, the Halewoods and the Dukes and the Dunlops, do you think, because to me, they have that sort of iconic status, they sort of feel almost like rock stars, they're celebrities, weren't they? Do you, do you think that could ever be, ever come round again? Do you think they could ever be those sort of big celebrities now, or is it all sort of changed in that respect? Yes, I think there's, um, perhaps don't have the same aura about them now these days, it's just something special. And so that little bit better, no, not better, but different to the uh, um, the present day ones. They've still got you know, the John McGuinnesses and the Michael Dunlops, still fantastic, great riders. But they've just got to do that little bit extra to get up with the, the likes of those. No, it's different eras and different racing machines and everything like that. And you could argue till the cows come home, and you still wouldn't get to who was ever the greatest, but. Certainly, there's just something special about the likes of those. Do you think maybe, because obviously with your line of work, with being the press officer and media liaison, <coughs> do you think part of it is possibly the way that's all changed? Because now it almost feels like they're a lot more accessible because they're all over social media themselves and you can tweet them or you can, you know, sort of tag them in an Instagram picture. Whereas in those days with the Jeff Dukes and even the Dunlops of, of their time, they were a bit more removed, weren't they? A bit less sort of accessible. Yes, I think they're perhaps a lot more reserved. Mm. You know, publicity shy. Joey certainly was. I don't think uh, Jeff was over enhammered with microphones being pushed into his face. You know, and they got to know certain journalists who they would talk to, um, tell them far more. The pushy ways which you have to be sometimes today wouldn't suit them at all. Well, tell us, Phil Edge, about your next piece of music, which I think might surprise a few people. <laughs> And Shirley Bassey and Big Spender. Um, again, it's memories. Uh, one, I've been fortunate to see Shirley live twice. Oh, I'm so first, jealous. <laughs> yeah, first time was at Batley Variety Club many years ago and then later on at the Apollo Theatre in Manchester. And I felt totally underdressed in a lounge suit and tie. Everybody seemed to be in full dinner suits and bow ties, the men, the ladies in full evening dress, and all the men with roses to throw on the stage at her and whatever, but a fantastic um, performer still is. And she was performing earlier this year at the Albert Hall, Royal Albert Hall. And it's a lovely memory. She's another artist and a dear late friend, Gordon Clegg. He also thoroughly enjoyed her. So. It's in memory of Gordon as well. The minute you walked in the joint, I 
could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender. Good looking, so refined. Say, wouldn't you like to know what's going on in my mind? Absolutely brilliant. Shirley Bassey and uh, Big Spender. It's 2.32. We're on the Conister Rock with Phil Edge this afternoon, uh, whose first music choice was Akabilk. And thanks very much to Tommy, who texted in to say that Stranger on the Shore was number one in the USA, but peaked at two in the UK. And Akka's fir- real first name was Bernard. Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> I feel very well informed now. <laughs> and uh, we're just chatting, Phil, obviously, chatting all about um, these sort of different big names that, that you met over the years. Lovely to think that you, you Jeff Duke was one of your sort of heroes in road racing and then you ended up running the Duke Road Race Ranking Championships didn't you that must have been quite something yes um, <clears throat> very privileged uh, to be doing so now Peter Duke uh, Jeff's eldest son approached me in 2001 the year of the no racing on the island because of the foot and mouth um, he wanted to organise a road race championship series that would emulate the road race championships on road courses that uh, had been abandoned by the FIM which is now the MotoGP set up and put up a trophy in his father's memory or his father's honour as it was then and so myself and a couple of other people formulated the Duke Road Race Rankings which are all the road races road race meetings in Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, the Isle of Man, which included Jerby South at the time, which no longer exists, Oliver's Mount, and we've now gone into Europe, certain meetings in Europe. And this first started in 2002. Ian Locke was the first winner, and it's still continuing uh, right up until this year. And about Ryan Farquhar is the most successful the current champion is uh, last two years been Dean Harrison, so he's defending his championship at the moment. But it's been well received by all the riders over the years, and so it's a, an honour to um, be able to organise it on behalf of Peter for his his late father now. How lovely. And you mentioned Dean Harrison there and you think of Peter Hickman and, and what happened this year in the TT and some of the speeds these guys were going. Did you ever think they were going to get this quick around those roads? You no, know, it's phenomenal. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable in some ways. And unmanageable. I know, exactly. Well, we're going to try and get some uh, hints and tips from you before the end of the show about what might be happening next week on the Southern 100 Balloon Circuit. Very excited about that. But uh, we talked a little bit about your family earlier and you, you described them as a motorcycling family and especially on your father's side because it was his, his brother Jack that was uh, quite a well-known mechanic and he was very involved in racing, wasn't he? Yes. Um, prior to the war, his father's... Oh, of course, my father's father goes said, no, you've got to have a trade, so he ended up as a fireman on the Great Western Railway. Then he ended up in the war, uh, survived Dunkirk and everything else, and came back and he met a gentleman by the name of Bill Webster, who was a a scouser, but he lived down in, um, moved into Cheshire, and Bill was an ex-speedway rider before the war, and he set up a motorcycle business in Crewe, and my uncle joined him as a mechanic and ended up as his chief racing mechanic as well when Bill started racing on the roads. He was no slouch, he got a six and a, a fifth in the TT and the 125 and 250 classes in the 50s. Um, 
and it went on from there with my uncle that uh, uh, that he uh, was you say he was partly sort of perhaps one of the reasons why he first became interested in the Isle of Man yes, and the TT. Yes, he used to come over and um, with Bill and the mechanic. Initially, Bill used to ride Excelsiors and he had 125 and 250 MVs, MV Augustas, and he used to come back with all the exploits and everything else and tell us all about it. So that encouraged me to get involved. Uh, my mother and father used to say, well, Philip gets a bit older, we'll go over to the TT. I first came over in 62 uh, and watched then and I brought my parents over in 1964 for their only ever visit unfortunately. But And what um, did they make of it? Oh they thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, I uh, uh, couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it in 62 myself and came for the TT, came back for the Manx, um, enjoyed the Manx more than the TT. Why? Uh, Why did you like the Manx more? Slightly more relaxed I think. Um, and more racing um, and I think at times there was a better atmosphere with the Manx than there is at the TT it was less professional then still is now you still and I still prefer the Manx to the TT these to this day well let's have a, a, a bit anyway of your next piece of music which is a cracking track Phil <laughs> and now end is near and so I face the final curtain my friend I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full it is a fabulous song very well chosen by my guest this afternoon, Phil Edge. Um, do I need to ask why you chose that, Phil? I think it sums up uh, life and the way you do things. You know, it's just like that it's just it means everything. And do you feel you like you have done everything your way? I think I think so. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, just enjoy life as and do the moment. You know, couldn't have it better. Living on a wonderful island, the privilege of honour of being able to live here and. The people I know and everything the friends have made, it's, it's wonderful. Oh, fantastic. We've got another few minutes uh, with Phil, I'm delighted to say. So we've got, we're going to try and squeeze in another two songs with him uh, before he uh, leaves us at three o'clock this afternoon. So if you have any texts or questions for him, you can send them in 166-177 or email studio at manxradio.com. The Nation Station, Manx Radio. One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas, so you can fit your dental care into your working day. And we are on the Conister Rock this afternoon for just another 15 minutes or so uh, with lovely Phil Edge, who is, of course, the press officer for the Southern 100, which starts in just a couple of days' time. Phil, how did you even find the time to come in this afternoon? <laughs> um, I made time, especially. Uh, but um, no, no, just sort of getting everything done with... I've been planning enough now to uh, over the years to put everything together and hopefully so we could cover last minute requests for such things and 
not normally our shows, but you know, five minutes interviews. But <laughs> for you know, nattering with the ginner and sharing music, <laughs> yeah. which is good. Well, I'm delighted you've been able to. And obviously, you know, sort of in your role, it must be very varied, I'm sure. And and uh, it's interesting that there has been some stuff in the press recently um, about this as well. And you actually say it's one of the things that inspired you to take on the role originally. The fact that national coverage of the likes of the TT and the Southern Hundred only ever seems to happen firstly in covering the top guys who were doing well and so we hear the, the same names over and over again but also on a sort of negative front quite often only covering it if there's incidents and you say that's one of the things that, that sort of encouraged you to get into the role of press officer in the first place yes well that's when i first started back in the 60s late 60s i noticed which was sort of in, because of the manx grand prix very few riders got any mentions if they won they got a, um, a mention in the national papers, perhaps the local papers, all the local lads around whatever area. They'd never get a mention unless they were seriously injured or worse. And I thought it's nice to get them, and that's how I started doing my journalistic side all those years ago. And I still try and do it to that, look at them all, treat them all the same these days, give them as much coverage as they can with all the local papers and everything. This. Uh, and admittedly these days the modern press, daily press, are not really interested. Only in the top half dozen, if the top top three is about it. And they'll just give them a half an inch column in a paper. And that's it. You know, there's far other sports that don't deserve covering that um, they do cover. And which is which most classed as second class citizens, unfortunately. I was brought up and mentored by Firstly, Dennis Parkinson, a well-known journalist and racing competitor, but more so likes of Leslie Nickel, George Turnbull of the Daily uh, Telegraph, Nonny White, of course, um, John Brown, uh, who were real professionals. And that's the way I tried to go about it, that everybody gets covered the same, whether they've won £10,000 or whether they're the last person to get the, a finisher's medal. You know, they're all equal, they're still very brave people and deserve exactly the same coverage. And you can tell that you clearly have a, a real respect for these guys and a real admiration for them, which is lovely. And, and as we mentioned earlier, one of the things that is so lovely about the Southern 100 in particular and, and the committee and, and the club there, it just feels like it's got a real sort of family feel to it. Would you say that's fair? Yes, yes. Um, we try to look after every all the riders as best we can in every way um, from their welfare or the, the racing side the family side were there with them um, it costs them a lot of money to co particularly if they're from across to come over to compete it costs them money to compete and we try to give them good racing some good races to compete in uh, a reasonable amount of prize money. Obviously, there's a lot don't get the prize money, but they're quite happy enough to get a finishers award or one of the other awards, and they still treat it um, as though you know, it's something that you know they're, they're achieving. They all have their own goals to try and do each year, perhaps lap five mile an hour faster or something, and we try and look after the spectators as well. We do all our own catering at reasonable prices. All the profits made go back into the races. Uh, we're all volunteers. 
we all work together to promote the meeting, to make it successful for everybody. Obviously, there are incidents occasionally, unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast. But, you know, we all cope with it together as one, one body. And has it made a difference with, with the likes of, because there are some of the names like Guy Martin, for instance, now has seems to have regular sort of television shows on mainstream <laughs> television. Has that changed the way that your job has, has what, the way you've had to deal with your job over the years having that? Yes. Um, we've got there's a different style of reporting now and, and sending information out. Um, but I think you still need to do the job to your best of ability and you adjust to the media outlet that you're trying to cover. You know, you get um, sometimes, unfortunately you have an incident, you can guarantee there'll be some television station across and be on the phone with them and they've managed to find your number or something, or found a number to contact, to want, you know, want all the gory details and everything, but you've just got to handle it at the time and be as polite as you can, give them as much information as you can under the restrictions that we have and satisfy their curiosity which is that's what it is well you do a fabulous job phil you really do and it's only a couple of days now as we mentioned before the southern hundred stars and of course you'll be able to listen to all the coverage uh, on uh, medium wave 1368 and round the course as well this year on 87.9 fm which is great but just wanted to to read out broken davy has messaged in this was uh, he, he messaged us in yesterday but i wanted to read it to you now because he just messaged in to say as a spectator i feel like i'm getting a big hug from the southern hundred club i love it so you're doing something right phil and it's been an absolute delight uh, to share music and memories with you today really appreciate you taking the time especially considering the time of year it is for you um, there are two pieces of music left Alex is a legend and has, has agreed to play uh, one song at the start of his show because we won't have time for it so before we hear hear uh, the previous song tell us what, what that, that last song is going to be that Alex is going to play for us <clears throat> the last song is the anthem we play at the prize presentation at um at the end of uh, Championship Day in Castletown Square uh, for the solo champion before they receive their main trophy and that is Tina Turner, Simply the Best and it does sum everything up. So do stay listening because Alex is going to play that at the start of his show. Uh, but what we're going to go out with today uh, on this show is some status quo, Phil. Why have you chosen this one? I've always liked status quo from day one and still enjoy uh, seeing them. Uh, also, last time I saw them was at the Villa Marina. Fantastic evening. And I don't know if I'm really living my youth or what, but I can you know, listen to them. And it just is enjoyment in their music. They enjoyed providing it and enjoy listening to it, even the acoustic style that they, they were doing before Rick Barfit passed away. But now it's just something that suits my move a lot of the time. Well, it is a great way to end with some status quo and rocking all over the world. Don't forget if you've missed any part of today's programme, if you go over to the Manx Radio portal, you'll be able to watch uh, some video clips of us chatting with Phil Edge this afternoon and also you'll be able to listen again on listen again on demand via the Manx Radio website. But uh, in fine style, taking us out this afternoon, status quo rocking all over the world. All the best for the Southern 100, Phil Edge. Thank you very much.
Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man.